everyone. So welcome to Sacral Stimulation. Um, it's just Kales today with Bree. So B um, had a little family emergency, so we um, let her have the day to kind of take it all in. But um, I was super excited, and I just couldn't wait to have you. And <laughs> so, thank you for having yeah, me. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so we are here today uh, because I went to this shamanic circle journey thing that was like amazing, and um, some of the discussion in the after the journeys um, came up, and Bree mentioned that she works a lot with fire. And I thought that was super neat. So I went up to her and said, hey, like, do you want to come on my podcast? And she said, okay. <laughs> and then we realized we had a world of things to talk about. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, this will probably be, like, like 100 episodes, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you take a second and introduce yourself? Um, we're probably going to hear my cat doing his thing in the litter box in the background, but... Just ignore that. He's cute. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you all right. Um, my name is Bree Marine. I am a holistic practitioner. I am a fur mama. I um, I'm stardust in a human suit, living my journey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I I always love describing myself because that's just the easiest way at this point. Just doing it, doing the thing. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to get into the spiritual community and find things like sacred shamanic you know journeys mm. and on days where I feel like going out and dancing at the club it can quickly turn to <laughs> laying on a mat crying my eyes out in the middle of rebirth yeah and I'm so grateful for that and to meet people like you yeah yeah me too yeah because you were saying that day that you wanted to go out yeah <laughs> I started dance. the day with Cardi yeah. B <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 I don't I don't go out I get like really anxious if I do. Do you get overwhelmed? Because you're probably an empath too. Yeah. If you do the holistic work and stuff. Yeah. I have to be in the right mindset. And for mm. me, it'll be like, if I'm dancing, I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. I used to not be able to dance. And through my healing, just coming into my body and feeling good and not caring about the judgment. Yeah. If I can go dance somewhere, I'm having a good time. Yeah. Um, but working behind a bar a lot, I bartend part time. And so with that, I don't want to be on the other side. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. If it's a dancing day, it's great. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to a rave and I was like so scared to dance. Yeah. And I remember like I freaked out and I wanted to leave. So like we left and then like in the car, like my friend like convinced me to go back in. And by that time, like the mushrooms had hit. So I was like, <laughs> okay, well, I don't really know what's going on. And then I remember like dancing, like finally just like dancing. And I was like, oh, this feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> this feels so great. Just to let your body move and be free. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so do you like, do you dance? You probably dance all the time. I do. I, um, I actually started ballet at three and oh, then wow. I did all kinds of dance and coached until I was like 22. So it's just been a part of my life yeah. forever. Yeah. And it is especially now that I'm super emotionally aware um, yeah. and energetically aware, I use it through my day all mm. the time. I use it to ground. I use it to get anger out. I use it to get sadness out. I use it to express joy. Yeah. It's just like my main mode of communicating with my body. Yeah. <laughs> basically. I love that. I love that so much. Um, so what, uh, like what kind of healing modalities do you offer? 
Um, I offer Reiki mm-hmm. and I like to say self-facilitated energy work okay. because I know Reiki is a very specific type of energy to be channeling. Mm-hmm. And when I got onto this journey, I thought like you had to have your ticket on the Hogwarts Express in order to do that kind of stuff. You had to be special. Like yeah. you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. And that wasn't me yeah. as far as I knew. And my first experience with it was seeing my own practitioner walking around a drum circle where at mm. the time I couldn't dance, I couldn't play a drum, couldn't make noise in the world yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I saw what to me felt like a tornado in her gut. Mm. And I'm just like, huh, that's weird. Like, call her over, sit her down. Can I hold space for you? And within my body, and I'm very visual, like super, super visual. Yeah. And I use that almost like the, you know, the middle school two liter tornado experiment. Yeah. Yeah. I was just kind of like doing that with it. And as I watched it come up, she went, oh. I felt like there's a tornado in my gut. And I was yeah. like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> like, what just happened? <laughs> and it was this huge news flash for me. And I started using it with myself. I started practicing with others. I started mm-hmm. learning from them. And it was just a really beautiful process of coming into my own power mm-hmm. and using the empathic abilities that I had struggled with right. to, especially to set boundaries with, um, for good yeah. <laughs> and yeah. find a purpose in it. Yeah. Um, I love, I use all the modalities that have helped me. Basically Mm -hmm. what happened was it helped me. I need to know everything about everything I'm interested in. So I dive in and then I end up getting a certificate or, you know, knowing enough to work with others. And I just, I love it and it helped me. And so so meditation and breath work. Yeah. Like you want to share it. Mm -hmm. Like if it's life changing. Right. So it's like a good recipe. You're like, wait, you need to eat this. You need to try this. But yeah, breath work has been huge, especially mm-hmm. for my anxiety, meditation, and a little bit of sound healing, not yeah. super called to it, yeah. but yeah, I do oracle readings and offer those. Nice. That was fun. That whole process of reading for a stranger for the first time and yeah. you're like, oh, this is real life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So then during all these healing modalities, it led you to... Well, obviously, we're on sacral stimulation, so it led you to something in the sexual <laughs> realm. <laughs> yes. So how how did that, like, kind of spark? Um, I feel like I'm going to give the short version of the backstory. Okay. Um, so basically, because of... I was kind of the epitome of daddy issues. My okay. dad was sick growing up my whole life. Um, amazing, amazing man. But I didn't really have a strong masculine figure in my life. Uh-huh. So I found myself, like, dating from a young age, usually dating somebody older... Um, seeking this kind of like protective nature, Mm. um, never really feeling safe within myself, feeling Mm -hmm. like I needed someone for validation, super codependent, serial monogamous. And none of that was working out very well. Um, so in the process, I started to realize when I started doing my spiritual healing that I had a lot of trauma that I was working Mm. with. And a lot of my patterns were from PTSD and ingrained trauma from, situations that had either happened to me or decisions I had made. Yeah. And really taking a step back and looking at that, that's actually a perfect segue into fire. Mm. Um, the first time that I realized I had a lot of work to do was in the middle of a Reiki session. I get, you know, I get pissy, but I don't get angry. I'm not a violent person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm also a natural redhead under my hair dye. So like I am fiery. I'm a Leo. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. A lot of fire in me. Um, and I'm in this beautiful meditative state in a Reiki session. My body just mm. filled with fire. Mm. Filled like from just my feet 
up to my head, burning. And I remember sitting up, and I had such good communication with my practitioners. Yeah. One is beating a shamanic drum, the other one's providing Reiki. And I said, oh my God, I'm so fucking angry. Ugh. Just screaming. And she's like, what do we do? And I grab a pillow off the couch, and I call it, now with my clients, I call it the Donkey Kong. Yeah. And you just beat. And I just started beating mm. this pillow hand over hand. Yeah. With the shamanic drum playing in front of me. Reiki offered a support. And that was when I physically experienced the transmutation powers of fire for the mm-hmm. first time. Knowing, I love combining science with yeah. all this. Yeah. And knowing that energy can't be created or destroyed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If we're looking at science, so what do we do with it? We transmute it. Mm-hmm. So looking at energy as a pure form and taking the emotion out of it or getting it out, releasing it in a healthy way, we can then transmute that energy into pure power. And the moment I burned it out and I felt that fire literally just burn out in me, I looked at my practitioner and I said, holy shit, I'm powerful. Yeah. And that was the moment I realized wow. my own power like yeah. I, when I felt it for the yeah. first time um, That's so and really cool. started to, to transmute that anger. Mm-hmm. So fire was very much like negative energy yeah. to me before. It was representative of um, being triggered, mm-hmm. you know, from something in my past. Right. Even at that time, like my boyfriend putting a hand on my shoulder, mm. I would jump sometimes mm-hmm. and it was no reasoning for it, but it would just, I would burn up on the inside. There was yeah. nothing I felt I could do. So in that, I found a woman, I have to shout her out because her work yeah. is amazing. Her name's Reva Wild. She's out in Guatemala. Okay. Fiery, red-haired goddess of love. She's just, she's an incredible woman and she works in sacred sexual shamanic work. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Speaking of dancing. Yeah. Um, she does a lot of work in feeling into your body um, and loving your body yeah. as you are, moving in your body as it wants to move, starting did to have that there? communication. Or did no, you work I wish one of these days. Yeah, yeah, we did virtual. Oh my gosh, how but, cool! Oh, her work's just so good. Yeah, and so we did a lot of dancing, and it sometimes it was sensual, it was tribal, mm. it was just allowing ourselves to communicate, yeah. like I said, with the body. And then it moved into what she calls the self-pleasure playground. And we mm. turn our cameras off and she talks you through masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> and I love this. So bitch. The first, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. She really helped me destigmatize sex mm. in my life yeah. to hear somebody. I'll never forget watching her on a live one day talking about something super scandalous. And she goes, Oh, hi mom. Oh, and I was yeah. just like, yes, girl. <laughs> and Growing up, I'm adopted with an Italian Catholic mother. Like, Ooh, okay. that just, she inspired me. Yeah. So I started doing a lot of work with her. First time was super, super triggering. Yeah. I work in a sense of, I can swear, right? Yes. Okay. For sacred sure. fuck yes and sacred fuck no, right? Yeah. If it's not one of those, that means I need time to meditate on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I didn't know the answer to that. Yeah. I didn't know how to say no, how to set my boundaries. Mm. I just, I didn't give myself time yeah. to make decisions for myself. Right. And she really taught me to do that. So that started making me feel comfortable in exploring my sexuality. Uh-huh. I had an incident where she gave an instruction and it didn't feel good to me and I did it anyway. Okay. And I triggered the heck out of myself. Okay. That fire came up and I'm crying, I'm shaking. Yeah. And so learning, it's not necessarily about needing respect from other people. It's about yeah. having respect for myself. Right. And commanding respect for myself, setting those boundaries. Which is so big because as women, like, we literally, and I don't even know how it happens, but, like, 
we're conditioned to like only pay attention to the respect of other people. Like how can we respect other people? Mm -hmm. And like respect for ourselves just goes completely out the window for like ever Mm -hmm. until you wake up or like you just become aware of it. Yeah. Which is so crazy. And it's like a, like the hugest realization um, that I feel like you can make as a woman mm-hmm. to be like, no, like you need to respect yourself first. Yes. This is my body. This mm-hmm. is my power. This is my choice. Yeah. It's yeah. Cause Indeed. I went through a fuckload of relationships where like I wasn't respected at all, mm-hmm. but like also I wasn't respecting myself, but I would respect the fuck out of them, you yeah. know, like being cheated on for however many years, mm-hmm. like I still respected him. And and then I look back and I'm like, why the fuck did I give that motherfucker any kind of yeah. respect? And then there's me, like, on the floor crying, like, 80% of the time of the relationship. But, like, yep. still couldn't come to terms with it. Were you so. a fixer? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I remember the first time, like, it was, like, the first or second time we hung out and we, like, ate Molly. Because back in the day, like, I did psychedelics like a motherfucker. Like, yeah. that was all I did. And we ate Molly and we were up all night. And then, like, at the end of the night, he, like, I remember he was, like, looking out the window. And he, like, started telling me about how his mom died. And I was, like, I am going to be <laughs> yeah. everything he needs, you know? Yeah. And then I, like, I tried for, like, way too long. And it was, like, every relationship until, and I love, like, what I love about the fact that, like, you're so into fire, which we're going to get into it more. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I bounce around. Is, I, and that's okay. I do too. Like, my brain is like, duh, mm-hmm. duh, 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 duh. but when I, so the last, the boyfriend I had before this one, like, I was done. He mm-hmm. had, um, it took me a long time to come to terms with this, but he had raped me. And it's uh. hard to come to terms with that when you're dating somebody. Yes. And so, after that, I was like, I'm done mm-hmm. for like an eternity if I have to be. Um, and then I like, I did a candle spell one night and I did, so I called in if there even was like a man that existed and I had this whole long list. Right. And then I also eliminated all of my previous feelings of, and, and thoughts and connections to love, like in a, in a candle spell. Okay. And I was like dead serious about this candle spell. And it was like one of the first ones that I, First or second ones I had ever done. I've only really done money and Mm. then this one love spell because love spells are tricky. Like, they're very tricky. You don't want to really fuck around with them. And I'm not one to be like, I'm not going to create this, but, like, I'm going to call it in if it's there. And then I'm going to detach from all this other shit, right? Mm -hmm. So then, um, like, a couple weeks later, I ended up teaching a yoga class at a barber shop. And my boyfriend walked in, and I thought he was one of the barbers because the one barber hired me. And he's like, well, all of our backs hurt. Like, come teach us yoga. And he comes in, and I'm like, oh, like, I want – like, I kept just, like, gravitating towards him and, like, mm-hmm. wanting to touch him. And then it didn't hit – because I was very resistant to it. And then, like, a couple weeks into it, I was like, oh, fuck, that candle spell. And I was like, I forgot. <laughs> to teach me this spell yeah no and i recommend it to everybody because yeah my first shamanic journey was with lisa whitefeather i don't uh, we I, I mentioned like her of, yeah they she was mentioned in that one that we went to okay 
And so, and this, this woman, she's, she's great. And she works with all of the goddesses and like, she literally walks around and she's just like, what up Isis? Like, <laughs> welcome to the table. Like she just chills with them. Yeah. And so I, uh, so the first one I went to was with her and I remember her, she was sitting there and she's like, sometimes we have these contracts in life that we don't revoke, right? And she's like, especially when it comes to marriage, because you think about it, you think about voicing your intention out to the universe, right? And then the universe hears it and it creates whatever it's gonna create for you. Mm-hmm. Well, when you get married, you out loud say, I do, and you you say, I commit to this until death do us part. Mm-hmm. And you say that. So if you said that in this lifetime and you don't revoke that vow, That vow is going to go with you to the next lifetime, to the next lifetime, to the next one, and Mm. the next one, right? So we get, we start in this journey and immediately, like, we get into it. And this was, like, right when I started getting into everything. I started realizing that I was visual, too. Mm -hmm. Like, and because for me, it was hard to be, like, oh, my mind's wandering Mm -hmm. compared to, like, a vision. Mm -hmm. So this was the first time, and I just kind of, like, flowed with it. And I remember laying there... And I'm in, I end up in this big temple, like full of gold. And I'm like in this beautiful gown. There's like a marble um, altar next to me. And then there's like a man in front of me in like a suit. And I could like, he had like a black face, so I couldn't see it. And all of a sudden I was like, you married this motherfucker for wealth. Like, and it was not a good marriage, and I had never revoked that vow. And it mm. was, like, back in, like, Egyptian time. Like, I'm talking 5,000, thousands That's of years ago. That's a for you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Like, so yeah. much Egyptian stuff okay. comes up for me. And I don't know if that was, like, the last lifetime I had, because, like, I've heard you can't come back in the same century. Okay. So I don't know if that was the last lifetime I had. But anyways, long story short, I had never revoked this vow. So she was the first one to like show me that or lead me to see that. Mm -hmm. And then I like that next day I did a ceremony and revoked all of those vows and like said it out loud and then like burnt, wrote it all down, said it out loud, burned the paper, all of that shit. And that's when like all of my relationships in my life started to shift. Because if you make a commitment in one lifetime... Mm -hmm. That's just going to keep repeating until you learn the lesson mm-hmm. or, you know, revoke the vow or something. So I think it's very, I always find it very interesting when like people say that their patterns repeat and repeat mm-hmm. and repeat because it may repeat from another lifetime. Like it might not even be this lifetime. And I've heard from another spiritual worker that I worked with that I have water magic powers which I haven't delved into okay so when you mentioned that and you're like fire and I was like oh I'm like this girl and I we're soulmates because like you're uh, fire and I'm water and I was like yeah. we need to get to know each other better that's weird I had <laughs> yeah. a random thought conversation yeah. with myself on the way here about how being a Leo like water is my balance that's mm-hmm. my calm that's my cleansing you know mm-hmm. beyond all of that just and just randomly thought that on the way here today heck yeah <laughs> It's all coming. You see my circle. eyes when you said that. I'm like, right. weird though. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was yeah. interesting. So shamanic journeys, like, and you have to be, you have to find a good 
shamanic journey, right? Yeah. Because if you think about it, and even though even the one that we went on to, if she wasn't able to hold that space for all of us, we all would have been bucked. Mm-hmm. Like you go into that underworld and you can't pull people out of it, you're gonna fucking stay there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, um, if as a listener, you're you're curious in this. Just make sure, like, you find somebody. And everybody through Emergence of Being and Goddess Elite, they're all skilled. And they all know what the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a local thing out here. Um, but I've heard of people going to, like, working with shamans and going to shamanic journeys and, like, just getting, like, straight fucked up, like, yeah. from it. So you have to be careful. And she... She actually came here a couple times and we did a couple of like one-on-one sessions. Yeah. And I have to re-listen to it because I even did, um, I just had a womb session with Raven, one of the girls that we had on a while ago. And she said something and she was like, I'm getting like dark goddess vibes. And I was like, are you feeling Kali? And she's like, yeah. I was like, that bitch chills. Like she, <laughs> her and I were like, we're like besties. Yeah. And then, um, and, and then there, there's Bost is usually around and Isis is usually around. And the one session they were all doing shit in my womb. And I told her, I was like, I have to go back and listen to that to find out what they did Yeah, because it was like super interesting. So mm. I love working with shamanic entities i guess mm-hmm. i'm gonna call them because like they're not people to me like they're yeah. they're super power people yeah um and i think it's like i think it's super beneficial especially like having deep-rooted trauma mm-hmm. you have to find somebody who can help that mm-hmm. so like in the trauma realm like how how did your connection with fire help your trauma so like i said initially it was not only using it visually in meditations, which mm-hmm. I still do all the time, but using it physically as that representation of kind of like the death, life, death, rebirth process, mm-hmm. the the transformation process. Um, that's kind of where it was on the spiritual side. Uh, because of my trauma healing and stuff, I had an intuitive nudge one day. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how I found this particular group on Facebook, but somehow I came across um, an alternative lifestyle group on Facebook. And I'm good at asking questions when I have them. So I dove in, as I do with most things I'm into, and found a really amazing community. And they do dungeon events once a month. Okay. So my introduction was like a page and a half long of just like, here's where I am. Like, here's where I've come from. Here's where I am asking questions, not knowing what my orientation is. As of now, Mm. I would classify myself as pansexual. Okay. Um, I practice in... Can you remind me what pansexual is? I I love all beings in a way. Like, there's no specific gender that I'm attracted to. Like, gender doesn't have anything to do with my attraction, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, It's more of the, like, the deeper connection for you. Is that what it is? I gotta catch, gotta catch a vibe. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's really important for me, especially being, you know, energetically in tune, feeling that my sexuality is a gift yeah. to be offered and knowing that there's an energy exchange happening, mm-hmm. you know, I, I protect myself in that way and I've mm-hmm. given pieces of myself away in the past. So, so I don't go too far off this. I ended up going to dungeons. Um, I think it was my second one that I saw our house fire top doing a fire massage, which is basically, so I think about this big open room, there's a bunch of features. There's maybe like 15 people in there, some clothes, some not. Yeah. Um, this is usually like completely naked 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like you can do whatever you want. And that's something I love oh, about being there is yeah. like I could wear a freaking Halloween costume and nobody yeah. would think anything. I can wear nothing. No one would think anything. Like that's so yeah. Freeing. I use it as a reason to like buy really cute lingerie Seriously. and just walk around feeling so hot. Because you buy cute lingerie, and it doesn't even no stay one gets on. To see it. Yeah, no, no one gets to see like, it. Or like, yeah. if you show it to somebody, that shit isn't gonna right. stay on for very long. You get to wear it as an outfit for yeah. the night. That's it's why so I love nice. Boudoir shoots, yes, dude. It's just, just like uh, I can finally wear this. Yes, <laughs> and to feel comfortable and free and not judged, like yeah. knowing that, like within the kink community, we don't kink shame. Like mm. I learned really, really early on that. Like, if it's something you're not into, um, somebody once told me, watch your face, because oh, I'm really expressive. <laughs> I say, watch your face. You yeah. want to be disrespectful. Um, and not my kink mm. is the saying. At least within our group, I think it expands beyond that. But just, nope, not my kink. Yeah. Um, and there's things that I've had to learn to say, like, nope, not my kink. Yeah. You know, not a conversation I'll have. But I see fire play happening. So it's basically a chick, naked, on a table with our amazing, I call them our fearless leaders. Mm. Um, the, one of the admins of our group is our like house fire top who is vetted in. So okay. we know he's safe. He's, you know, knowledgeable, so trusting and loving and like oh. Papa bear status. Love yeah. him. Um, and I was walking out of a room. That was a fun day. Mm. And I see, <laughs> you know, those things that like fire eaters would use yeah. like little batons yeah. basically. It's that dipped in isopropyl. Okay. Um, and then just like tapped and rubbed along the skin and that would be more of a fire massage you can take it into fire play which is obviously communication to cross that boundary yeah um which is just kind of a more intimate play with fire yeah and so I got brave and I asked if I could do it yeah Uh, and I'm a I'm a huge exhibitionist so I don't mind getting naked in the crowd (laughs) my favorite thing to do though because even though you're in a dungeon people get real quiet and like on edge when yeah. you get naked yeah like especially if you're doing a scene and people are watching so i have a habit of every time i strip down i go this is what i look like naked <laughs> like, like, and everyone's like okay yeah, right. like, here we go <laughs> um and it gives me less anxiety it's just like here i am i'm yeah. human <laughs> let me announce myself <laughs> all the parts. just get over this part <laughs> And so I got on the table and I was freaking freezing anyway because I'm a freeze baby and yeah. it was cold in the room. So this man basically makes a blowtorch over my body. Like oh, wow. the whole just fire yeah. over him. And I sunk in and it was the most incredible calm. And I wouldn't have kink and BDSM without my spirituality. Uh-huh. I stand firmly, firmly with that. And a lot of times when I enter into any kind of a scene or trying out a new kink, it's usually because I'm using it for a healing modality. Mm, like Shibari mm-hmm. has been hugely healing for me. Fire has been hugely he- healing. What's Shibari? Rope. Like the Japanese rope okay. art bondage yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing to learn is that like BDSM and kink does not have to be sexual. It yeah. doesn't have to be about penetrative sex. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, yeah. The intention can be different for everybody. The outcome can be different for everybody. It is rare that you see penetrative sex in a dungeon. Mm -hmm. At least Mm -hmm. when I've been. It's just not... It's not about that. Yeah. So to be respected and vocal about my spirituality when it comes to kink, everybody there kind of knows where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And they're very respectful of that. So I bring breath work and I bring meditation into stuff like fire and shibari when I'm in scenes. And so just sinking into very close to like a transcendental space with Mm -hmm. fire because with the warmth and I don't know Mm. it was 
I've used it many times. I'm so fortunate. One of my partners is like fluent in shibari and fire mm. and fire cupping. Yeah. Like, have you ever the little like glow yeah. thingies? Mm-hmm. Oh, so so good for I you. I love that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I get like an acupuncture and a cupping yes. session every month. Um, and it's always fire cupping. The squishy cups, like the other ones, I've they're okay, those. but I like the fire ones much yeah. better. Mm-hmm. He's allowed me to, because he's respectful of my spiritual practice, he lets me mm. utilize that time mm-hmm. for healing. And I can kind of visualize and just intentionally use it as mm-hmm. a cleansing tool, just yeah. in the same way I would with the metaphorical transmutation of energy with fire, mm-hmm. using it kind of physically, like watching it wash over my body and purify and cleanse. Mm. Um, through flame and yeah. it was kind of funny the first time he did fire on me he was like wow and I said what and he goes it dances on you oh wow and I was like what do you mean he goes fire really likes like there's something with you in fire and I was like oh I know yeah <laughs> like I know I'm well aware <laughs> and sinking deeper into that finding finding this fiery passionate goddess yeah. who's not angry yeah anymore yeah that girl used to be fueled by bad bitch energy, but mm. from a standpoint of defending myself mm. and having to protect myself. And now I can stand in that place because I'm grounded in my power and I yeah. own it. Yeah. And yeah, working with, I can't wait. I want to get fire fans so mm. bad and dance with fire and just like Those quick strips so and alcohol. Yeah. Combine like BDSM fire play yeah. with fire fans. Like, oh just, my gosh. I would be amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I always got jealous of, like, girls who would do, like, fire hooping and, and stuff like that at, yeah. like, because I can't hoop or I'm not very coordinated. That's why I feel like just a, I don't know, I'm decently coordinated, but hula hooping is not my shtick. I'm yeah. not interested in poi. I knew I would find yeah. something that felt good and, like, right in the thick of my my journey with fire and really kind of mm. diving into that and mm. my own fire I saw that. I was yeah. Like, That's what I need to do. Ooh, yeah. I need to wave around some fire fans. Seriously. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But also the combination of mm-hmm. lighting myself on fire and the fans. Yeah. Sounds really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's. So you have to like not have any hair on your body, right? Cause no. Because like. Uh, it burns it off. I had a guy with me, um, just a friend. Yeah. Um, come with me one time and I was so proud of him. He was brave enough to try it. Um, I think. I think he kept his boxers on. Okay. Um, but yeah, his leg hair, his back hair, the room smelled terrible. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I joked Burning last time we did worst. it, and I was like, I forgot to shave my legs today, but I realized you're gonna burn it off anyway. It's fine. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so when you talk about this partner now, is this like your sexual partner? Or is this like your? So I guess that's what. Uh, so like BDSM, you know, you said like you don't always have penetration. So mm-hmm. when you talk about a partner in the BDSM realm, is this somebody that you have a sexual connection with? You have a like, is it just like your kind of um, like spiritual guide kind of thing, or like what in regards to partner? Like, what does that mean to you? So he, I took me a long time to use that word uh-huh. actually, especially because. I'm pretty new to the poly life within the last year and realizing that that is what's right for me, mm-hmm. at least for now, you yeah. know, <laughs> and yeah. owning that. Um, so I practice in relationship anarchy, which somebody told me I was explaining my beliefs and like, oh yeah, that's what you are. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Which is 
kind of my philosophy on any relationship, Mm -hmm. which comes from my spiritual practice of unconditional love and knowing that for me, relationships don't have a timestamp. They're Mm. not going in with the intention of a future. It's more about appreciating what you have when you have it. Yeah. Um, and removing those expectations other than communication boundaries, you know? Yeah. Um, because I date myself first. Like, I am my number one. Mm. I'm putting my time and energy into building, you know, whatever it is that I'm building in this life. Yeah. And so this one in particular is a partner partner. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been a phenomenal example mm. um, of what Polly can be. He's mm-hmm. married. His wife, let me do a little jig on this. Yeah. Because <laughs> his wife is involved in our dynamic. I haven't had a woman in my life in a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Mm. And so that's decently new and exciting. Yeah. Um, we haven't, like, we're not on the status of partnership, um, but I would consider her a play partner. Yeah. Um, we have an emotional connection. We're friends. Um, and there's intimacy involved every yeah. now and then. Oh, um, wow. With him, it started as... More so just BDSM uh-huh. and I guess almost in like a coaching role. He, there's a word for it. I don't know that I know it, but he enjoys teaching. Like okay. that's something that really does something for him is teaching other people. Mm-hmm. So I'm so lucky to have that, especially mm-hmm. being new to it. And um, like I said, he's fluent in Shibari and fire and wax, which is one of my favorite things ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mainstay for anyone, listeners yeah. included, like the mainstay votive candles, the just cheap, like little palettes. Yeah. Best wax play candles ever. Super really? easy cleanup. Don't burn too hot. Mm. That's my shit. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have two little uh, wall sconces above my bed and yeah. I burn them there and it's just really convenient to like reach Grab out. It. Yeah. I'll use <laughs> so this. That's now. a thing. And so he kind of started that way. We built a really beautiful emotional connection. Yeah. And it got to the point where, like, I make videos on Facebook, and I would talk about him and say, my, well, partner, but I don't like using the word partner, but, like, you guys know partner. Right. And I kept having to, like, preface it. Like, I don't like this word, but partner. And finally we had a conversation one day, and I was like, I think we should sit down and talk about where we're at and some boundaries. Yeah. And... I think I'm ready to use the term partner here mm-hmm. in the sense of the more relationshipy mm-hmm. aspect, again, yeah. without expectation. Like, yeah. We don't plan to be together forever. When it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. And that's what I encourage for anything in any aspect of life. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been amazing. And what he's taught me, too, is that you can have, almost to the point of frustrating me and teasing me, mm. he has taught me that you can make that very clear distinction in BDSM between it being sexual and not. Um, Anytime that we've done rope, it has not gotten sexual. Like, he hasn't touched me anywhere other than where he's tying rope. Yeah. You know? Um, Same thing with fire. Wax, I feel like, is a little bit more intimate inherently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we we could have scenes together three times a week, and he would still give me the same vetting spiel. And what is a scene? Like, what is... Uh, that word I hated when I first got into the community. Yeah. I was like, planned sex sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've never liked, you know, even when you are like seeing a guy and you're like, oh, I think we're planning tonight. Like, just get some. I don't yeah. Know. So, <laughs> yeah. I didn't like that word because it, it inherently has expectation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't like expectation when it comes to anything intimate. Mm. So within at least like the dungeons that I go to, anything that I know is clearly from my experience. I'm yeah. no expert. But 
you would call it a scene because, and this is any kink-related interaction between uh-huh. one or more people, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, it's called a scene, and it's communicated and negotiated as such. Okay. That way it has a clear beginning and end. Okay. So, for example, let's say you have um, a woman that's offering to be submissive and a male that's offering to be dominant, uh-huh. right? Um, they put out their boundaries and she wants to be like physically punished. That's what she wants. They communicate that. They know where her boundaries are. They start by having an end of that scene. Mm -hmm. If he were to just walk up and like paddle her 10 minutes later, incredibly disrespectful, incredible, like just super, it can be triggering when you're not expecting it. Right. So by giving it like a defined beginning and end, your Mm -hmm. boundaries and that communication fall within that segment of time. Okay. So you can kind of come out of it. Is it more of like a time span? Like we're going to do this for an hour and see what happens? Not necessarily. Or is it like this is the sequence of events? Yeah. It's more so like, um, for example, just like any, any kink that you could, could think of. Like, let's say I meet somebody in the group that I'm into that's super into role play and so am I um we would message and say okay the next dungeon is in two weeks and Mm -hmm. we would talk about like okay this is going to be kind of our topic here's some of my triggers these are physical disabilities I may have I need you to watch out for Mm -hmm. um these are my hard no's these are my fuck yeses yeah and you would have that conversation and that is something that has been so educational and amazing mm. for my whole life yeah within the bdsm community is yeah. that communication right um you know even stemming into the polyamory the non-monogamy i found that within these alternative lifestyles it is the most clear concise and honest communication yeah i've ever experienced in my life yeah because you have to right you know people will make excuses about a mistake and i said well what if it's breath play right what if you make a mistake during breath play? Like, that's life or death. Yeah. It's not something to, to toy with. So there is right. that negotiation process. Right. If you're dating somebody and you guys know each other well enough and you're like, oh, we're going to do this little scene, obviously it's kind of a different story. Yeah. But but if it's someone you just met for yeah. like an event or at an event. Yeah. But even like I said, my current partner, he will ask me the same general questions uh-huh. before we get into any kink scene. As if you never, you yeah. haven't even met. Mm-hmm. Because as he says, like, you know, your answers can change by the minute. And I right. want to know where you're at right now. And yeah. it's basically a check-in. And I love that, like, approach to life. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's... I've always found that to be, like, kind of the problem with with a lot of relationships. Is that you meet someone and you just kind of, like, inherently expect everything to stay the same from the mm-hmm. moment that you met. And sometimes I even get tripped up in it. Like, I'm just like, well, things are different now. Yeah. But we do we do evolve, and you want to evolve with your partner. Like, you don't want to be the one evolving, and then your partner's just in the mm-hmm. same space. Which sometimes we, like, my partner and I struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Because one of us will get stuck, and the other one will be in, like, this evolution process. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, well, what the fuck? Like, but um, I also love the approach of, like, no expectations because mm-hmm. that's really what I did with the candle spell. I was like, I don't want love to have conditions or expectations mm-hmm. anymore because I did grow up with very conditional love in my mm-hmm. life. Like it was like, if you do this, then I say I love you, you know, like it was just kind of like that. Um, and I think it's important to like realize that sometimes 
you fall out of love mm-hmm. or like something evolves in a different way and then that person shift. they shift and yeah. I think that people cling to what they thought they had mm-hmm. or what they want it to be more than like what it is mm-hmm. and that's pretty dangerous yeah emotionally that's dangerous mentally that's dangerous and I lived that life for a long time mm-hmm. and what I love about my partner now I actually hate calling him my boyfriend mm-hmm. because for one, he's not a boy. Yeah. And for two, he's not a friend. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to put those two words together. And we are – it is a partnership. And that's what I want more than, like, just a relationship. Like, I want a partnership. Yeah. I want both of us to be working towards some sort of goal. Mm-hmm. And it's not specific anymore. It's just we both want to evolve and, like, have a very fruitful life, mm-hmm. right? And for some people, that is ne- – like, their goal is to just be together forever. Right. And it's, like – but that's not likely, mm-hmm. you know? So I think approaching life in a way where you can have these connections with these people and even your partner, like every, it's like every single time you meet, you're meeting as like a new person, mm-hmm. which is like so, like that's so cool. That's yeah. super neat. It's incredible too because I've never, I used to have a very hard time um, receiving Mm. I that kind of has been like the lesson of the last few months and um my partner's been a very big part of that because Mm. he he's such a giver and like he spoils me rotten sometimes like he's just so freaking sweet yeah and I'm not used to that yeah it was very I was used to the quid quid pro quo you know Mm -hmm. you did something nice for me now what do you want yeah kind of thing what are you expecting from me and I think that's a codependency yeah like that's a codependency Mm -hmm. thing because Growing up with a father who was in active addiction my whole life, yeah, it was like, okay, so now you got clean. This is what I'll do for you if you stay this way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I very much was in that mode for the majority of my life. Yeah. And even when I first met my partner now, he, I remember we had to have conversations and he's like, this is not a tit for tat kind of thing like this is not you did this now I will do this or you did this why would you do that like you can't keep track of those kinds of things like all that kind of shit but I'm used to that Mm -hmm. like you know I'm used to well you relapse this time and then you did this and then you remember that three years later and then you Mm -hmm. hang that over his head like I remember that kind of stuff and so it's very it's very hard to get out of because I'm, I'm really big in the recovery community. So yeah. people ask me all the time, are you in recovery? Like, they ask me that all the time. And just recently, probably because of my new job and stuff, I struggled with the answer because part of me wants to be like, no, I'm not. But also, I know that I am. But it's not from drugs and alcohol. I am in recovery from codependency. Mm-hmm. Because those fucking codependency tendencies come back. All the time. And now I'm aware enough to, like, see them, Mm -hmm. you know? Because there will be times when he does something and I'll, like, cling to it hard as fuck. And it's like, no. Like, you have to let this go to, like, continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I think recovering from codependency is just as hard as recovering from drugs and alcohol. And what I love about the BDSM community is you don't judge a kink. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't judge at all. And I've always been one to, like, be like, that's not my gig. Mm -hmm. That's your gig. Like, that kind of thing. But I think it's also important, like, in life in general. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody is recovering from something. And although I'm not, like, I don't wake up every day and want to use heroin or drink or anything like that and have to struggle with that, I do want, like, 
loads of attention and all of it to be on me mm-hmm. and for me to be able to be like have all of these conditions for other people and I struggle with that every fucking day mm-hmm. like every day and expectations and all of this shit yeah so I think it's really awesome to be a part of a community that doesn't judge you not only for like your kink but like for your past or like the shit that you've done or mm-hmm. anything like that and to have a partner that encourage you encourages you to approach every situation as a new person mm-hmm. is also very beautiful. Like that's really cool. It's allowed me to expand into things that I still am shocked that this mm. is my life sometimes compared mm. to where I was just like two years ago, especially. So my <laughs> choking myself laughing <laughs> on this one. Um, so my best friend is six foot nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just like a prime example. So, my whole mentality when it comes to trauma healing mm-hmm. um, and incorporating BDSM and sexuality into it, which is like a huge passion of mine, is by exposing ourselves to our triggers mm-hmm. in a safe and supported environment Yeah, um, with tools to, to work through them, we can start to reprogram our brain. Yeah. And that requires a lot of trust, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, it's been learning that Again, I don't have to have trust in other people. I have to have trust in myself, first and foremost, to respond. And so in a trusting space, my very best friend, I'm five foot one, he is six foot nine, (laughs) very tall man. And we've just been soul fam from the get-go. Met through a kundalini retreat. That's my brother. But when we hug, (laughs) uh, his penis is right about at my sternum level. Okay. And like... I can feel it yeah. when we hug. And I would imagine him being so tall. Yeah. It's not... I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I used to get really, really uncomfortable. Like I yeah. wanted to hug him because I had set, like such a deep, profound well, love like for this man. That's like his sacral energy right in right. your heart space. Yeah. But with my triggers, like yeah. the body was still a very sexualized thing. And that mm. made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like the human body wasn't just like our physical form. It yeah. was just related to sex there was no comfort in that for me I had to wear like super padded bras so people couldn't see my nips god Mm, forbid yeah you know yeah and I was still very much there like a year and a half ago because I would hug him and get really uncomfortable he finally asked me about it he's like why don't you hug me the same like you don't Mm. like I was like Gilbert I can feel your penis yeah (laughs) of course I thought he was gonna be so offended he goes oh you're not the first person to say that (laughs) like okay good because this was awkward for me yeah and now, like, I can straddle him on the couch and hug him around his neck. Yeah. And it's that difference mm-hmm. in a year and a half. Yeah. Not, you know, not even really. Um, yeah. When it came to the trauma of just respecting the human body as mm-hmm. the human body and having those, tr- like, safe, trusting spaces. He knew I would get triggered when we yeah. would hug, but we would breathe into it together. And he would allow me to be in that safe space. He'd allow me to be triggered yeah. and tell myself, like, the first time I ever got tied in Shibari. Well... First time is null and void. I was already triggered, so it doesn't count. Right. I wasn't there for it. So the second time, I was with a partner who was the first person that tied me, and I asked him to. I said, will you just bind my feet? Yeah. Um, I trusted him. I knew I was in a safe space. Oh, my goodness, was he good looking. So I was, like, especially into it. Right. And um, so I had him tie my feet, and I told him, just, like, move slow with it. Check in with me. Yeah. I don't know that this is going to be okay. Right. And so I was laying on my belly and he tied my feet and I, um, I just started breathing. Like I 
focused into my breath, found yeah. myself getting really triggered as he was binding my feet and took myself into a super transcendental space mm. where I was asking myself the questions before getting there. Do you want this? Yes. Are you safe? Yes. Are you comfortable? Yes. Yeah. Like, do you want this? Yes. Are you safe? Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> And just really asking myself those questions, checking back in, mm. experiencing this trigger again in a safe and supporting environment yeah. in order to reprogram it. Having no control over my body by the time my arms were bound would have sent me into a literal PTSD meltdown yeah. two years ago. Right. Um, whereas using my tools and allowing for true trust, mm-hmm. which to me is it doesn't come in other people until you have it within yeah. yourself. Right. And so to be able to really have that true trust and that communication to grow and explore and just get in touch with the body. Yeah. In such an incredible way and find the things that bring you pleasure. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't, it's not about an orgasm. It doesn't have to be about reaching that peak. Right. The intention can be different. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. Because we do, we we over-sexualize the woman, like the female body, 100%. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that, and it's happened to be before, like she's been in the store and somebody has come up to her and been like, where's your bra? Because like she likes to just have her her boobs free, mm-hmm. which there shouldn't be a problem with that. No. Nope. There really shouldn't. Big boobs, small boobs, right. whatever it is. I always say, oh, those things that feed babies? Right. <laughs> the things that like if they didn't exist, you wouldn't be here? Correct. Yeah, those. Like yeah. let them do whatever the fuck they want. And yep. who are you to say like what? But it's that sexualization of the female body that like makes people fucking uncomfortable yeah and it's bullshit yep it's complete bullshit Mm-hmm. i was just telling uh kales when i got here she's like you're a bartender and server right i was like yes and i just put in my notice and had quite an incident last night yeah the entitlement yeah um i think you know kind of like you were saying as far as women respecting other people higher than themselves that feels super generational to Mm. me because if you think back to when like as long as the kitchen was clean and the kids were fed and the husband's needs were met then we were successful Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um and obviously thank god things have changed so much since then but yeah the entitlement Mm -hmm. that I feel like a lot of people have I shouldn't say a lot of people I overgeneralize far too often yeah but um, I had a majority, right? Yeah, <laughs> I had a I had a bar customer think that me having nice, friendly conversations with him bought him the right to buy me flowers and then attach himself to mm-hmm. me yesterday while groping my butt, making noises in my ear. Nice. And in all of this journey, I'll say where my current place is. Um, I found myself judging myself for having triggers mm-hmm. in regard to it. I said to yeah. myself at one point, you've gotten past this. Why are you still freezing oh God, in the I face of this? Do that. Right? Like yeah. you've done this work. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is like a constant battle. And that right there is a new trauma. Yeah. That just happened. Like, yes, it's triggering. And now I responses. fucking have to deal with that Correct. shit. That so, pisses me off. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm excited to I'm gonna go home today and probably light some candles, bring in yeah. some fire energy and burn that shit out. Yeah. But yeah. It's it's beautiful because, you know, we talk about peeling the onion. It's, yeah. it's a constant learning experience, offering ourselves grace, offering ourselves the room and time to grow mm. and to find the tools that work for us and to find the things that make us happy. It's been and- like a huge theme for me. Even, like I said, I had a womb reading and like she straight up told me, she's like, you need to give yourself grace. Yeah. Because I've been so tired lately and it's like, 
and then I get frustrated with myself because I'm like, I have shit to do, you know? Yeah. And like, <laughs> like, um, you know, even when we approach somebody, you see them, the first thing you say, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Let's stop doing, how are you feeling? Yeah. So I'm trying to like shift into that. And by asking that. that question, it helps me to like ask myself that question too. Like, yeah. how are you feeling? Instead of like, how are you doing? Because like, I'm fucking sick of doing, man. Yeah. Like, even when it came to spiritual work, like it was like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. And it's like, no, like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily need to do it, but like... I want to, and it's going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And then I do get tripped up. Like, I'll be like, bitch, like, we've been working on this for five years. Like, why the fuck aren't you over this? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And it gets frustrating, but, like, it is. It's like an onion. And sometimes, mm-hmm. like, the one layer that you peeled off led you to another layer, mm-hmm. but there's also another layer of the one that you peeled off. Like, it, yep. you know how, like, when you peel an onion and all of it doesn't come off? Yeah. It's almost like that. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, okay, like, I left a little piece of that layer on. Mm-hmm. And you have to, even, like, the at the beginning of the conversation, we talked about lifetimes before like you might have cleared it in this lifetime but Mm -hmm. like you still have the shit from the last lifetime or you have the shit from the last lifetime and you didn't clear this one yep and then you get shit like that that happened to you last night and now (laughs) you added another layer back onto your fucking onion that you have to peel off and it's like fuck you like Mm -hmm. do like not only did you think that you were fucking entitled to do what you did but Mm -hmm. now you fucking took the like you set me back because now I have to peel this off of me. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Yeah. I'm proud that I can use my words in a more healthy way. That was yes. what I noticed was my words came out perfectly in mm. the moment. Yeah. Um, my body half froze just because he had oh, me locked in and I couldn't move really. So I didn't have a choice. But I very quickly spoke, um, do not touch me, get off me, get off me. Yeah. And I tried to put him at arm's length, but he was wrapped around my waist. Uh, so I couldn't. And once I got him detached, I looked him in the eyes and I said, you will not disrespect me like that again. Yeah. And the power it came out of my mouth with, the woman sitting at the bar in front of me was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like, he messed with the wrong one. Right. And he tried to say something. I was like, I can't hear you. I'm mad. Leave. Right. (laughs) And I just was very proud that I was able to speak in that moment. Because a trauma trigger, I would normally want to be on the ground shaking. Yeah. And I had a hard time staying within my body mm. for the next like 15, 20 minutes yeah. of trying to work my shift. Yeah. But coming back to myself, having those tools, having that awareness, it's the same thing with peeling those layers. Yeah. Having the grace to utilize our tools over and over and yeah. over again, you know? And, and I need to work on that because when I get in, I mean, I've never had a situation quite like that in in a while or one that I can even recall in this moment. Mm-hmm. But when I get into something similar, I just feel freeze Mm -hmm. and then I numb like Mm -hmm. and I don't really say much and uh, then I'll just kind of like unwillingly consent to it because like I don't like I haven't voiced Mm -hmm. to be like no like this isn't what I want like I'll hear the fuck no yeah and I'll I'll feel the fuck no and I'll still take a step forward and that's like what I need to work on is like not doing that I understand that completely honestly that's where a big chunk of my trauma came from Mm -hmm. realizing I could sit there and blame all day this person touched me here at this point like I can sit and blame all day the victim game has to stop if you truly want to heal you Forgive. have 
to forgive. <laughs> yes. You have to forgive your fucking self. That's and the you big have one. to forgive like that's huge. Yep. But first you need to start forgiving everybody else. Yeah. So that you don't turn to blame to them. Correct. Because like we could blame all day long mm-hmm. and then like you're not doing anything. When I feel like you're just stirring up negative energy. Like, and that person doesn't yeah. give a fuck. I can right? guarantee they, they're off living their own fucking life. Yeah. Like, I can sit here and blame my ex for yeah. all the shit that he did to me. That motherfucker is married. He's in another state. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, so who am I to waste my time mm-hmm. and blame him and just pile that blame on me, too? Right. Then, like, just deal with it. Like, yeah, yeah I talk about it and, like, you know, I can openly talk about it. It, but mm-hmm. like at the end of the day do I think about him no do I blame mm-hmm. him for the shit no like he's got his own shit and he doesn't want to deal with it but I'm gonna deal with mine yeah you know and that's like huge because I see these women and I was that woman mm-hmm. so like I'm not judging you see and it I, because and you've I, been there and I see it yeah. because I've been there and I see the blame and the well he did this to me and he did mm-hmm. that to me and it's like yeah but like you're still holding on to it yep it's about, like, have you ever heard that story of the monk and the the two monks and the woman? And they come to, I love this story. So there's two monks and they're on a walk and they come to a, a river and there's a woman at the river. And the one monk, like, decides to pick the woman up and carry her across the river. And he drops her off on the other side of the river and she says thank you and they keep walking. And as they're walking they're they're not speaking and then finally like a, a little while after they pass the river the other monk who did not pick up the woman turns to that monk and he said why did you pick up that woman we are not you know we we don't touch women we don't they don't like associate with them and it's just like their belief system mm-hmm. and the monk that picked up the woman said I set her down miles ago. Why are you still carrying her? Mm. And it's like, in, and I always think of that, that story when I'm carrying something around. Yeah. Because like, we, and we all have a tendency to do it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you have to put in the work to put it down. But like, if you really think about that, like how, who am I to carry someone around that I should have dropped off years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and even the shit, you know, with our past, with our dads, like you and I both have daddy issues. Like yeah. who are we to carry that shit around? Yeah. I mean, my dad's gone at this point. So, like, why would I carry that around? Are you in the Dead Dad's Club? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's why we are so connected. The Dead Dad's Club is deep. B's in the Dead Dad's Club, too. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to meet her. Yeah, I know. We're going to come back. We're going to come back. (laughs) But um, this is a great conversation. I'm so glad you came. And you're definitely going to come back. Yay. and thank you. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming. Yes. Thank you for hearing me. Yeah. Hearing me. Oh, yes. Of course. All right. Bye, guys.